Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. After 25 years of military service, U.S. Marine Richard Mack McKinney returns home to Muncie, Indiana. Filled with an all-consuming rage towards the people of Afghanistan he had been fighting against, still fueled by his desire to fight for his country, Mack decides to embark on a heinous plan directed at innocent people. The film Stranger at the Gate is going to be screening at the, this year's Tribeca Film Festival, and we're joined today by the director, Joshua Seftel. Joshua, welcome to Film School Radio. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, this is a, one of those stories that is all too familiar in the what the broad outline of what I just um, talked about in the introduction, and unfortunately, oftentimes goes as badly as it sounds like it could have. This is a different kind of film and a different kind of trajectory to the stories of many of the people in the film. How did you come upon the story? What inspired you to move forward as a documentary filmmaker? Well, you know, I, I, I actually found this story or someone on my team found it, it as, a, as a newspaper article in a small paper in the Midwest. We read this story about Mac McKinney, this Marine who planned to, to bomb a mosque and wanted, he wanted to kill 200 people and he had this big plan and he actually built the bomb. And I just, you know, without giving, again, without giving too much away, I was immediately drawn to this story because of its relevance, because it is a story about uh, a would-be hate crime. And this story turns out differently. And this story has some really interesting contours to it. And I was, I was just drawn to it immediately. So I tracked down Mac McKinney uh, the Marine who was uh, in in Indiana, and we talked on the phone. And after we talked, I said, "Wow, this is this is incredible. This guy is really well spoken and really thoughtful, and has gone through a lot. Of, you know, has just thought a lot about what he was planning to do and and um, what it means and why. And it was just it's just this unique opportunity where you you have someone who." really was a domestic terrorist who can then speak about it and speak about his motivations and speak about how he got to that place in a really cogent and, and deep way that I think is incredibly useful for people to understand. And he looks the part. And I, I hope that doesn't sound exceedingly judgmental, but I think from the point of view of people who would see him in a photograph and a lineup and say which one of these people was most likely to commit a hate crime. I, I don't think, I don't think I'm too far off to, to describe him as someone who they would probably identify. I, I think it's funny you say that. I think he would be the first to admit that he, he looks like a scary white guy. You know, he's, he's got a, you know, close cropped hair and a, a red face and he's, he's like, you know, big and muscular and tattooed and, he looks, he's a tough guy, you know, yeah. like you wouldn't want to mess with him. He was a, he was a cage fighter. He knows martial arts. He, you know, he knows he was a Marine. I, you know, he's a scary dude. There's something about him and the way he looks and the way he talks that makes him an incredible messenger. 
you know, he is someone who people that maybe would be resistant to hearing this story might, uh, are more likely to listen because he looks like people they know. He looks like their friends. Um, he's familiar. You know, he is, yeah, he's a great messenger for this. Well, and let's talk a little bit about his background. I mentioned in the introduction, 25 years of uh, service in the U.S. military as a Marine. Um, he served in Afghanistan. He was exposed to, I'm sure, some of the most heinous and violent kinds of actions on the part of not only his own, well, I don't want to presume, but I, but he saw a lot of really horrible things happen during his service, and they manifested themselves in ways which... I, Let's talk about how they manifested it uh, in his own life. Yeah, I mean, he, I know that he was suffering from PTSD. Uh, I know he's been, you know, went through a lot. One of the stories in the film that I think captures his experience is that, you know, at a certain point after several years of service, he was kind of losing his mind, you know, because he was around so much death. He met with one of his superiors and he said, look, what do I do? How do I, how do I navigate this? How do I cope? And his superior said, look, Mac, you need to think of them as the enemy. You need to think of them as, as you're out on the range and you're shooting at a paper target. And that's how you need to think of these people, that they're not people. They're just a target. And if you can do that, you'll be fine. And that's what he embraced. And that's what he did. And ultimately it didn't really work, you know, because he came back from service and he was really mixed up and messed up. And he he wanted to commit an act of terrorism on our own soil. Against people who look like the people that he was fighting in Afghanistan. That's right. He wanted to bomb a mosque. And he the way he felt was, I just fought for 25 years and now I'm back in my own country and the people I was fighting against are, are in my own hometown. And all that work, all that fighting that I did was pointless. I need to do more. And that was his take. That was his, that was his uh, philosophy. And one of the things about Stranger at the Gate is how it illuminates not just the life of the people in it, including uh, Richard Mac McKinney, but also the people who were in that mosque. But it also says a lot about our country. And I, I think it's fair thing to say about the United States, going back almost as far as you want to, but certainly since World War II, we have had armed forces stationed and fighting somewhere in the world, almost without interruption since since then. There's only been a few periods of time in the last 60 or 70 years where we have not had a significant interest in a war somewhere in the world. And, and as a result, we have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of veterans in this country who have come through a traumatic experience of war. And we are, and I think I'm, I don't think I'm being out of line to say we are an unusually violent society. And the fact that Mac McKinney came through what he came through and was able to find that place in his heart where things turned out differently. But I don't think I'm overstating that to say there are Lots and lots of people who have come through a very similar set of circumstances, and very few of them have committed heinous crimes in on a massive scale. I'm not trying to make that case, but we are 
as we are experiencing as we sit here today in 2022, experiencing the ramifications of a very violent society. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's true. And uh, you know, Mac is a perfect example of of that of of the product of that. He's a product of that, and he's you know he is um, poster child for it. You know, it's uh, that story I told about the paper target. You know, yeah. you know later on in the film he actually has a dream in which he's shooting at the paper target and it starts to bleed and blood is pouring from the target. And that target actually comes back to life. That thing that he was taught to make not human becomes human again. Uh, That was, you know, a step, I think, toward him um, starting to understand his, his issues and to work on them. But it was, you know, it, it is, uh, I think a lot of these experiences take a tremendous toll on, on, on our, our, you know, people who are serving our country. I want to focus on the other people in the film. Well, Max, certainly the catalyst for, for much of what the film is about. The people that we get to meet who are a part of the mosque in Muncie, Indiana, um, Barami family and others, as well as the McKinney family. We get to know his wife, Dana, and his daughter, Emily, who is particularly cogent in, in, her, in her observations, as well as uh, Joma Williams, who was also part of the mosque. We get to know all of them. And the level of honesty and intimacy and insight that we get from these people is a tribute to you as a filmmaker, but it is it is a beautiful and wonderful part of the experience of Stranger at the Gate. How did that happen? What, how were you able to essentially win them over to being a part of the film? Well, we, we knew that Mac McKinney, the Marine, was, was sort of ready to go. And he, I had talked to him a number of times and interviewed him, and, and I knew he would be great on camera. The other folks I didn't know, and I, I actually wondered about the members of the congregants of the mosque. And, and um, I had to figure out and do the detective work on who, who they were, who was there. Because the, so the story is that Mac goes to the mosque and he's built the bomb and he goes to the mosque to do some research to plan his, you know, his bombing. And when he goes to the mosque, he's invited in by the, the folks that, that um, pray there and the congregants. And I had to find who they were and find out which ones were there when Mac came those, those first few times. And I, I found them and started to talk with them on the phone. It took a few months to, to find them, to be honest. And once I started speaking with them, I, I, I thought, wow, this is an incredible group of people. There's a really strong community here. And it, it made me realize that this film is about community. It's really about the power of what happens when people come together when people stay open, kind, compassionate toward each other, toward strangers, and what, what is possible. It's so easy to feel hopeless right now. It's yeah. so easy to look, to look at the news and to look at the, you know, these school shootings and, the, and all the violence that's happening in our country right now. And this story, this could have been just another one of those stories, but it, it, it it went in a slightly different way. And a lot of it was because there was community and there was communication and there were people listening and talking and staying open to each other. 
And that made all the difference in the world. And my hope is that this film will serve as as a ray of hope, as a, an example of one of these stories that you, you, you think is, is very dark, but it actually um, doesn't go quite as planned. Uh, the filmmaker is Joshua Seftel, and you in the in the information I, re- I got about the film, by the way, it's going to be screening at the Tribeca Film Festival. So for people who are either listening to the sound of our voices in New York, you can go to the Tribeca Film Festival to check this out in person. And I'm hoping that somewhere in the near future, people will be able to see it virtually. They could see it virtually through the Tribeca Film Festival of a site, but it's really a film that it begs to be seen, especially now. And I know from what I read about the film and about you as a filmmaker that you were subjected to discriminatory actions growing up and and the impact that that had on your life and making the film. You know, what have been the takeaways for you on a personal level, aside from being a filmmaker? What have, what have been the, the impact it's had on here, knowing the story and seeing how it played out? Yeah, that's true. I'm Jewish. Um, I grew up in upstate New York. Uh, there weren't many Jews in my town. And uh, I, I did face a lot of anti-Semitism growing up. You know, I was called names. I was people threw kids threw pennies at me in school to re- remind me that Jews are cheap. And, you know, someone threw a rock the size of a brick through the front window of our home, things like that, that I hadn't really thought about that much until after 9-11, when I started to see my friends who were uh, Muslim, you know, facing a lot of Islamophobia. And I, I related to that. I, I, I felt a connection to that. And I felt like I understood to some degree what that feels like. And that's what got me interested in telling stories and creating films that tell stories about the American Muslim experience. And this film came out of, out of that. Um, this, was, this is actually one of several films I made on this subject. Just, it's just the latest. For me, this film is, like I said, it's about community. It's about, it's about what, what could be possible. In some ways, I think it's about what our country could be. You know, it's this is a story about a white guy who was, you know, in the military for 25 years. It's about an Afghani immigrant who started a mosque in in Indiana. It's about an African American guy who converted to Islam, and they all come together and connect in in what almost seems like an impossible way but they connect. And, you know, I don't know what the future of our country holds, but knowing that this can happen, that people from such different places can come together and connect and change the course of their own histories and turn something that could have been very dark, that would have been something we all knew about and talked about um, and turned it into something positive. That gives me hope that, you know, this could be a microcosm for what the future of our, our country could be. You know, you, you used a word I, I was gravi- gravitating towards using, which is impossible, because it does feel like our we're losing our grip on our common humanity when you see stories like this, when you, when you stop seeing people as other, there is hope. And I do think that, well, we've, I feel like we've been on the brink of something really, truly terrible for a little while now. And I hope that when people take time to consider what is on the other side of that, 
that they're going to start gravitating back towards our common humanity. And this is a film that certainly makes that case. I agree. Yeah. I, I'm glad, I'm glad that you, you um, see it that way. Cause that's exactly what I hope for when people watch this. The film again is called stranger at the gate. And again, it's playing at the Tribeca film festival. And uh, so if you can check it out that way, or hopefully in the future, uh, it'll be available in other ways. Um, as I said, the, the reviews that have been um, been coming in about the film are are glowing and well-deserved. And um, I want to thank you for spending some time with us here on Film School Radio. Again, the film Stranger at the Gate, and we've been talking with the director, Joshua Seftel. Joshua, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Oh, of course. Thanks so much for having me, Mike. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.